0: not as close anymore. There's nothing you can do that he will not forgive. Bring it to the cross. Let it die so you can live. Is there a burden you bear That's got you battered and bound Struggling for strength Do you long to lay it down Don't take another step Just kneel where you stand Lay it at the cross And take a hammer in your hand
1: not them that have familiar spirits neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them I am the Lord your God well Saul basically with the, with the hand with the hand clenched in the face of God said I'm going to do what I want to do and he couldn't hear from heaven the, the voice of God had stopped up Samuel was dead and he consulted the witch of Endor and that's pretty much some a good summary of first Samuel 28 1 Samuel 29 David is down in the land of the Philistines and the Philistines go up there in Achish, to battle all of Israel and Saul. And David was with them. He was friends to the king of Gath. And as he went up... He was going to go to battle against Israel, but Brother Harold, God providentially stopped David from having to go to battle against his own people, the nation of Israel. The princes of the Philistines said, what do these Hebrews hear? And you look in verse number 9 of that chapter, number 29, and basically this is what they said. He, David, shall not go up with us to battle. And that gets us to chapter number 30 because they send David back home. Now, according to the Word of God, it's about a 3 days journey from, from Achish down to Ziklag. Now, when you think about that, if you look at the, the geological uh, maps and the distance, there's about 70 miles. that separate, so three days, they left that morning. It took them three days to get home. Imagine how wore out they were. Imagine how restless they were, probably hungry, ready to be home. And we pick up reading in 1 Samuel 30. And verse number one, and the Bible said, and it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, neither either great or small, but carried them away, and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. You ever got that point where you just run out of tears? Man, that, these folks were so heartbroken that they didn't even have power to weep. But verse number 5, And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself, and the Lord is God. If we don't get nothing else, you better get that last phrase right there. There's going to be times in the service of the Lord where mankind's not going to be able to encourage you. You're not going to be able to look around and find encouragement. I'm glad to report to you tonight. Because he's alive, the choir just sang about it, you can find encouragement in the Lord. But look at verse number 7. And David said to Abiathar, the priest... Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither or thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, "Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them?" And he answered him, "Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all." So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. So a third of David's men, he had 600, 200 had to stay behind because they were so weary, they were so worn out. But 400 pursued on, brother Brandon, after the cause to recover all. When we read in verse number 11, and they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, gave him bread and he did eat. And they made him drink water, and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days gone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belonged to Judah and upon the south of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. So here's an Egyptian servant that's basically been with the Amalekites and pretty much he was of service until he fell sick. And basically the Amalekites just left that fellow there just like a broken down horse, a broken down camel, a broken down mule left him behind. But notice as we read on, in David, verse 15, said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear to me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And what he's saying is, I will bring you down unto the Amalekites, the one that, have, that has burned and raided Ziklag and have your children and your wives and, and all the cattle and all the resources there with them. I will take you down. Then in verse 16, When he had brought him down... Behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight, even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled." And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. I like that phrase right there, that David recovered all. You say, what's so important about that? Because that's exactly what God promised. And when God promises us something, you can go ahead and punch a ticket. You can go ahead and put it in the bank. Because when God makes a promise, he's going to see it through. Now, I may let you down. Others may let you down. There'll never be one time. That's why I love that song they sing. Jesus never fails. If he ever fails you, it'll be the first time he's ever failed anybody. I wouldn't count on that he's got a hundred percent record and he ain't going to change he's the same yesterday today and tomorrow thank God he never fails and we see this promise unfolding in verse number 18 then in verse 19 and there was nothing lacking to them neither small nor great neither sons nor daughters neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. And David came to the two hundred men which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Bezor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them, then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial. Now wait a minute. David's got 600 men. You mean there was, there was some men of Belial in that crowd? You better believe there were. That Listen, God, God will always have his crowd, but the devil will always have his crowd as well. And the Bible said, Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial, of those that went with David, and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered. Save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, now watch this in verse 23. Then said David, ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us, and delivered the company that came against us into our hand, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff they shall part alike. And look at verse 25. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. What was the statute that was presented? Well, he tells us again in verse 24. We're going to read that and then we're going to pray. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. In other words, those two hundred that stayed back a third part of David's men and his army that went down and faced the Amalekites, they're going to get the same part as the 400 that went down and seen the battle because at the end of the day, it wasn't David. It wasn't David's men that gave them the victory. It was God that had given them the victory. If you don't believe me, read verse 23 again. Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. Now, let's pray. Father we're bowing God again tonight we thank you for the good word of God I know it's a lengthy passage but father I pray that you'd use the good word of God to help somebody tonight I pray they'd fall on good fertile soil I pray for that when they don't know what to do tonight I pray that you give them wisdom give them discernment give them leadership somebody probably needs some encouragement tonight somebody's distressed maybe discouraged Lord i distressed I have no idea what the need is but God you do you place this message on her heart I pray that the word would fall on good fertile soil help me to decrease it Jesus may be increased and lifted up we're going to thank you right now for What you do, for we ask these things in Jesus' name... Amen and amen. We've read this text out of 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Now I read a lengthy passage. and I get that. I'm not going to preach through all of those verses tonight. Somebody ought to say amen right there. But when we look at this, David basically was constantly on the move when Saul was after him until he gets to Ziklag. When, when he came down to the king of Gath uh, there in Achish of course Achish gave him the king uh, or Achish gave him that, that particular place in Ziklag, for the Bible said in 1 Samuel chapter number 27 and verse number 4, and it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath and he sought no more again for him. As you look at that, uh, Saul didn't seek him anymore once David went down into the land of the Philistines. But now keep in mind, David has been up there. Uh, there in Apec, I said Achish a while ago, but he's been up in Apec. That's where the battle was going on uh, in the Word of God. Of course, Saul had gathered against the Philistines, and David goes up, and then the princes said, well, hey, what are these Hebrews doing here? David's not going with us. So he sent him back home, and from Apec back to Ziklag, it's 70 miles So a three days journey, they're coming back, they're wearied and worn out, so wearied that 200 of them had to stop there in Bezor by the brook and to rest. But when they come back in, I believe those men, they weren't expecting what was on the horizon. If I could preach tonight on a simple thought, it's a statement. But what in the world do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't? Know what to do. You say, well, preacher, I ain't never been there. Really? Well, you ain't lived long enough. You hang on, honey. And there'll come a time... When you ain't gonna know what to do, there's there's times in our life. Well, what is what is there a blueprint? Is there some things that I can glean tonight if I get to the point in my life when I don't know what to do, preacher? What in the world am I gonna do? I believe there's a pattern. There's some application we can follow from David in his life here because he comes back and sometimes things things pop up by surprises. David and his men were not anticipating. They were not expecting what they faced as they come back closer to Ziklag. I can only imagine, Brother Harold, as they get a little bit closer, they might even see a little bit of remnant of smoke coming up from the city of Ziklag. Maybe one looked to the other and said, man, what's going on? There's smoke coming up back there at home. I want for kids to set something on fire. I want the wives have been cooking something. Man, they've got a big fire going on. And then when they come into the city they see that Ziklag has been run down, there's rubble, there's disaster, there's turmoil and now David is facing some things and uh, what in the world do you do when you don't know what to do? There's some principles tonight that I believe God can help us with wearied from a three day journey though from APEC back to Ziklag when they come in, no doubt they were seeking rest, they were needing refreshment, they were looking for a reunion I mean they've been three days away from their wives and their children, they're ready to come back and they're worn out and they're ready to rest they're ready for refreshment they're ready for reunion, you know, but they're confronted with something that they never saw coming sometimes that'll happen in your life no you might not have a you might not have a fire that'll consume you it might be a fire but there'll be something that'll take you by surprise that you weren't expecting you weren't anticipating well what in the world do I do when I don't know what to do. There's some principles tonight. I believe God will help us. David was met with destruction. He was met with despair. He was met with discouragement. We could say that. Turmoil, tragedy, and travail. The stench of smoke still lingered, but there was no sign of the little ones. There was no sign of the cattle and the sheep and those animals that would be used for sacrificial service. And and none of all, the, the family was gone. And he's come in and imagine how that heart would sink. They're already wearied from that three-day journey from Apec down to Ziklag, and now they're confronted with that. We could say this, David found several things just by way of introduction. I don't think I'll be long at all tonight. You've heard that before. I don't think I will. But just think about this. There's four things by way of introduction that David found. David found, I believe, damage. Of the enemy. When he came in the Bible said in verse number 1 and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. You can go on down a little bit further and you're reading those next couple verses where that they had taken the children. They didn't kill any of them. They just took them hostage and carried them down with them wherever they were going. Now keep in mind right here and this is an important point. Notice who was the one that was attacking David and his men the Amalekites What's that got to do You know David was dealing with some undealt with sin You say what do you mean Saul was supposed to destroy the Amalekites But his partial obedience Allowed them to continue on And as a result of that, David has to deal with undealt with sin. You better mark this down. It's a good point that we better get. If you don't deal with sin severely, sin will deal with you severely. It will continue to be a thorn in your side. And that's exactly what happened here. And David, he finds and he's confronted with damage of the enemy. Can I remind you tonight by way of application, we're still in a battle. We're still in a conflict The Bible still tells us about The devil as a roaring lion Walking about seeking Whom he may devour Just because you're saved Don't mean he's going to leave you alone David was a man after God's own heart He had this continual struggle This continual battle This continual conflict You might have a good day today You might have a good week And listen, every day that we live Is a good day Because we live, we move And we have our being because of him But you know what I'm saying There's challenges that pop up there's things that you're going to encounter that you never saw coming. As he comes into town, he sees the damage of the enemy. Not only that, he has the deal and he has, he's found distress of his own heart. Look at verse number 6. And David was greatly distressed. I mean, he, he's distressed. So he finds this distress of not only does he find the damage of the enemy that's come in, But he's dealing with the stress of his own heart. And you know, that's sort of how the the devil still works today. What did he do against David? He went after his home, and he went after his heart. Yeah, man verse 6 said David was distressed in his heart the enemy has not changed his tactic whatsoever he can't get you to trip up he'll go after your spouse he can't get your spouse to trip up he'll go after your youngest can't get your youngest to trip up he'll go after your grand. somebody that's close to you that's what he does he'll go after your home and he'll go after your heart that's why Jesus told the inner circle Peter James and John in the garden of Gethsemane he said you better pray the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak boy we better get that we better understand that that we're in a battle for our lives in a conflict man we need God and I'm glad we got him he ain't dead thank God he is a but David as he goes in to Ziklag he found damage of the enemy he also found distress of his own heart but he also found the desire of his own people and look at verse 6 again and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him and then it tells us why because the soul of all the people is greed, every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. I mean David has found damage of the enemy, he's found the stress of his own heart, and now he finds the desire of his own people. Now keep in mind, this is a crowd that have left Saul. Some of them are Benjamites. Remember those that could, could throw the stones, they could use the bows, they ran by so they could use their left hand, their right hand. they forsook Saul and they followed David. But now at this particular time when they come in and they're weary and they're worn out. Three days journey. And now they're distressed because their family's gone. Their stuff's burned up. Everything's been raided. And they look around and the one they're looking at that's going to catch it all is David. You know what I found out is this. Sometimes when a person or when people are distressed, you know what you'll you'll tend to do? You'll tend to lash out to those that are closest to you. Amen. Yeah, if you don't believe it, you just ask Christie. If you don't believe it, just ask me. Hey, Amen. And you're probably the same, look, I got a life out of Christy tonight. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when we're distressed, we end up lashing out at those closest to us. I mean, they, they come in. Try to put yourself in the shoes of these men. They're, they're worn out. They're Emotionally, they're spent. Physically, they're spent. Spiritually, they're spent. Now they get home. They were looking for rest. They were looking for refreshment. They were looking for reunion. But now they, they're met with turmoil and tragedy and travail, destruction, despair, discouragement. And they turn on David. And David has found the desire of the people is to stone him. Now keep in mind, it might have originated from that crowd over there. In verse number 22, the Bible said, Then answered all the wicked men and men of Deli- Belial of those that went with David. You see, that devil's crowd will always lash at you too. Amen. But listen, here's one thing about it. If there's no friction, that means there's no motion. In order to have friction, you got to have some motion. Somebody and I have used this before, and I know me and Brother Jamie's talked about that before. When the devil starts messing, the Lord starts blessing. But it can be used of when the Lord starts blessing, the devil will start messing because when there's the, if there's if there's going to be friction there's got to be some motion along the way so just encourage yourself in the Lord because when David came in he found four things now I've just hit three of them I'm going to give you the fourth one and this is a pretty positive one but he found damage of the enemy distress of his own heart the enemy attacked his home attacked his heart his heart was distressed according to verse number six we know desire of his own people was to stone him but notice he also found devotion to his God look at verse number six again the last part but David encouraged himself in the Lord he looked around he at that particular time imagine how lonely David must have felt Ahinoam's gone Abigail's gone his kids are gone his cattle's gone his riches are gone his men are wore out they're speaking a stone in him and there he is by himself and all he can do is 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 just fall down And encourage himself in the Lord. You know, a lot of times when things unsuspected things come, now get this. Unsuspected things come and they may rock and shake the foundation of your world. Some folks fall to pieces, but some people fall on their knees. David didn't fall to pieces. David fell down on his knees. And sometimes during the darkest hours of your life, that's when you learn the real true test of faith. That, boy, God is good. And God is faithful. And God is resourceful. God's got a plenty. And he'll help you. And David, when he couldn't find encouragement among the 599 men or the other 600, thank God he found encouragement in the Lord. Now keep in mind, now, that's just introduction, but think about this. This wasn't the first or the last battle that David would face. It wasn't the first. He's faced, remember, he's already faced a lion and a bear. He's already had numerous other battles at this particular time. He's going to have more in the future. But David, what, what in the world drove him? What drove him uh, to take back what was his? We know the Amalekites, but it was undealt with sin. He's dealing with that. They've came, and they've raided, and they took everything. What was the driving factor, Brother Brandon? What was the thing that motivated him to go and recover all? Well, I believe, first of all, one thing that drove him was his faith in God. His faith in God. You'll notice in verse number 8, as we read here, And David inquired at the Lord. He had a faith in the Lord. You know, I believe David understood I mean, he, here's the man that has conquered at this point in his life, and a youth, he had conquered that bar, he had conquered that line, he had stood down there in the Valley of Elah as that 10-foot-tall giant, he faced him, he seen what God could do. But in this situation with with the distress and the discouragement all around, people are emotionally spent, physically spent, spiritually spent. They're speaking about stoning David knew that the arm of his flesh wasn't going to get the job done. So how in the world did he recover all? There was a motivating factor. It was his faith in the God of heaven. Listen, folks, there's things that I can't fix. I hate to burst your bubble. There's things that you can't fix. I've met people that say, Brother Harold, I can fix anything. There's some things you can't fix. There's some things that only God can fix. And it's a faith in him. And he can still, can I just tell you tonight, we need to be reminded of this. God can still do the impossible things. God can still do the incredible things. He can still move mountains, thank God. He can move rivers. He can still part seas. Thank God he can still heal the blinded eye. He can make the lame to walk. I'm telling you, God can do what you and I could never, never do. What was the driving factor? What motivated him? It was faith. Not only that, it was his family. Keep in mind, if he didn't pursue after them, his family's down there. Probably during the historical time, they were probably heading down into Egypt, Brother Brandon, and their, their wives and their children would be sold as slaves. So there was a limited time. He had to get to them pretty quick. I mean, time was of the essence and listen, faith drove him. David knew he had to inquire the Lord, God, you're going to have to help me. And he sought God's face, but his family was a motivating factor. You can rest assured to that. And I'll say this, it does matter if you personally go on for God and with God. Let me say that again. It does matter. You say, Preacher, it's hard. You know, I, I'm dealing with difficulty, maybe in ministry, or maybe something like that. It's hard. It, it, it pays to keep on going for the glory of God. Amen. It sure does. There's going to be times your, your feathers are going to be ruffled. There's going to be times when you're going to get discouraged. There's going to be times when you're going to face things that you never saw coming. It's going to take faith Again, some things you can't fix. You say, well, I wish I could fix somebody. I wish I could fix this one. I wish I could fix it. You can't do that, but God can. Amen. It takes faith, and it takes family. Listen, David pursued, and he went after for the family's sake. There were some little ones on the other side that needed their daddy to follow God. I'm going to tell you tonight, Hey, some little ones in here Tonight that needs mama to follow God, and needs daddy to follow the Lord, that needs grandma and grandpa to follow the Lord. You don't need to get on the sidelines. It ain't time to quit on God. It's trying to keep on going for the glory of God. It ain't time to raise a white flag of surrender. Hey, when the going gets tough, lean on Jesus and fight for your family. Oh, it's gonna take faith, it's gonna take family. Listen, I think there was another motivated factor that drove him not only faith, not only family, but his future. Now, 1 Samuel chapter number 30 chronologically comes before 2 Samuel chapter 2 and 2 Samuel chapter number 5. Well, what's the big deal, preacher? Well, David's future depended on him going and recovering all. For in 2 Samuel chapter number 2, he is anointed king in Hebron. 2 Samuel chapter number 5, he's anointed king over all Israel. But he'd have never been anointed king, he'd have never got his crown had he stayed in Ziklag. Does that make sense? If he had stayed in Ziklag, if he hadn't have pursued like God told him to do, he'd have never got his crown. Well, preacher, how in the world... Does that apply to me? Well, I want to tell you how, and I'm glad you asked. I'm being a little facetious, but you go to the book of Revelation. Remember those seven churches in Asia minor, those seven local assemblies that the Lord Jesus addressed? The one that he dealt with in chapter number 3, one of them was the church in Philadelphia. Of course, the church of brotherly love, but this is what the Lord said under the church in Philadelphia. In Philippians chapter 3, or excuse me, Revelation 3 and verse 11. Behold, I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man... Take thy crown. Now that implies, lets us know that our crowns as New Testament believers can be taken away. There are five crowns that we've preached on multiple times. There is the incorruptible crown that is that is won by self-discipline of our body. Of course 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 25 lets us know that. There's the crown of righteousness which is uh, you can win that by finishing the course that God has set out for you. The apostle Paul the swan song in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 laid that out when he. Told Talked about the crown of righteousness in, of course, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8. Then there's the crown of life. James spoke of in James 1 and verse 12. Preacher, how do I get that crown? By enduring temptation and trials. Listen, it's not a matter of, of if... Temptations and trials come It's a matter of when they come There's things and there's times You're going to be confronted with unsuspected things What in the world am I going to do When I don't know what to do We better follow what David did David had enough God on him That he knew he couldn't fix the problem But he knew God could fix the problem He knew his family was worth fighting for He knew his future He didn't want to lose his crown So he pursued after that bunch There's a crown of glory how do we get that preacher? By being a faithful leader. 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 4, a crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse number 19, how do you get that crown? By being a soul winner. But our crowns, listen, you can't lose your salvation, but you can't lose your crown. And by the way, it's worth hitting every time I preach on that. If we do get crowns, it ain't going to be for us to go through heaven and say, "Ooh, look at what I did. No, we'll lay those crowns at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't say, look at what I did. We'll say, look at what he did. Now, here's the crutch of the message right here. Think about this. You say, Preacher, I don't know what to do. i got a situation in my life that I've struggled with, and I, I never saw it coming, but now I'm dealing with what in the world are you going to do when you don't know what to do? There's three things, three things. <laughs> I know I don't give you four or, five, four or five of these, but just get this. There's three things that David did. They all start with P. Can I say, first of all, David prayed. He did. Prayer. When he inquired of the Lord, that speaks of praying unto God. Look at verse 3. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? When you're confronted with something and it's unsuspecting, maybe it's not unsuspecting, maybe you're just dealing with something tonight, what in the world can I do when I don't know what to do? The first thing you ought to do is pray and ask God, seek seek heavenly advice. Amen. Go to the Lord. Where could I go but to the Lord? That old gospel hymn lets us know, and that's something we all ought to do. And again, the Bible still said, James 4, verse number 2, we have not because we ask not. Matthew 7, verse number 7, said, I ask it that it be given you, seek, and you shall find, and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asketh and receiveth. He that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Unto him it's our responsibility to pray. What am I going to do, preacher? You better pray. You better seek God's face. David did that. He's confronting. He didn't know what to do. But he fell down and he prayed to the God of heaven. Can I say the second thing that he did? Not only did he pray, but the Bible said he pursued. Because see, when he prayed, he asked God, look at verse 8. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? So he's asking God, God, shall I pursue? Shall I go after them? I mean, he's seeking direction. He's seeking wisdom. He wants to know, him. Is, it, is it your will that I follow them? That's the way we ought to pray, by the way. Shall I overtake them? And he, that he being God, answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now, you look, we've already read the end into this. We know David recovered all. Well, why did he recover all, Brother Al? Because he prayed, he sought God. God, can I? should I go? Is it your will that I go? What do you do when you don't know what to do? He's praying, he's seeking God's face. God tells him. And now when God said to pursue, he didn't sit still. See, sometimes God will tell us to move, and we'll say, oh, let's just wait a little bit. Amen. Yeah, sometimes, most of Most time, we know what to do. It's just a matter of putting, you say, oh, preacher, I'm praying about it. Well, that's good. And we ought to do that. That's the first step. But there comes times when you've got to put legs to those prayers. Amen. Yeah, Victory would have never been won. If he had stayed in that place, God, you want me to pursue, God said pursue. If he had sit right there and not moved, he'd have never got victory. There's time when you and I ought to pursue. There's times when God will say stop. Sometimes God will say back up. But sometimes God will say pursue. And in this case, he sought God as you and I should do. When what in the world are we going to do when we don't know what to do? We better pray. And then when God said move, we better move. We better pursue as David did if you want victory, you've got to pursue. But notice this third thing. Now, this is important. What, what I do when I don't know what to do, we ought to pray. He asked God, God, shall I pursue? God said, yeah, pursue. So then David was obedient, and God still honors obedience, by the way. But when God gives us victory, when he gives us victory, we ought to make sure that the preeminence goes to him. Now, where do you find that in the text? I've read it a couple times already. What do I do when I don't know what to do? Well, you pray, and then you pursue. You know that crowd was happy when they got their their family back. Amen. I mean, they're worn out. They've been spent emotionally, physically, spiritually. And they needed rest. They needed a refreshment. They wanted a reunion, but they hadn't got. They pursued on, and they were so weary and worn out that 200 stayed at the brook there at Bezor because they couldn't go on. Two-thirds of the army went on, and God was the one that gave them the victory. And David was quick to say, Hey, boys, this ain't about us. It's about the Lord. You see, when God gives us victory, we ought not do a victory dance in a self-absorbing way Amen. We ought to reflect all the glory to him. You see, all the preeminence goes to the Lord. What are you talking about, preacher? We'll look in verse number 22. Now, keep in mind, 200 stayed behind. And basically, what's going on? The other 400 and the men of Belial said, hey, you know, they stayed behind. They shouldn't get any of the spoils of the battle. Well, listen, David wasn't going to have none of that because he said in verse number 23, Then said David, you shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us notice david didn't say man i you know i've rescued you it's all about me myself and i david never one time said that david said the lord amen is the one that hath done this he's the one that hath given us who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand all right preacher how does that apply to me today listen what do you do, Sister Savannah? You come on. That'll hurt me. You say, what in the world do I do when I don't know what to do? And you might be fine right now. And you better put it on credit. We put everything else on credit. You better put this message on credit. Because you might be fine right now. You don't know what's going to wait you when you get home. You don't know what's going to be on the next time that phone rings and, and something has happened. You're going to be confronted with something that you didn't see coming. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be distressed. You're going to be discouraged. Well, what in the world should I do? The second thing you should, the first thing you ought to always do is to ask God for help because there's some things that I can't fix. There's some things you can't fix. The arm of this flesh is an impossibility, but our God can still do the impossible and still do the incredible. We've got to pray, we've got to seek His face. Then we've got to listen. And listen, the answer might not be what you want to hear. But when God gives you that answer, then it's up to you to pursue. Well, preacher, I just don't want to do that. Well, you can just stay miserable the rest of your life. Amen. I mean, that's your option. If you want victory, you can stay defeated or you can have victory. You say, God, I need to know what you want me to do. What in the world do I, I know when I don't know what to do? You need to pray. And then listen for that still, small voice. And then when he says pursue, you better pursue. And then when God gives you the victory, don't make it about yourself. Look at what I did. No, no, no say listen God give me victory right here there's a time in my life when I didn't know what to do I I didn't have a clue but God gave me victory in this realm in this department in this area of my life David recovered all there might be some things that you need to recover tonight you know we got revival right on the horizon we as God's people you don't get listen you get saved one time you can get revived many times Hey, so many times we pick up stuff, and, man, we need to, we need some recovery care in our own life. I'm talking to believers now because we're encountered with things that we don't know how to handle, and they end up handling us. The boy will follow the principles of David in those applications. Pray, pursue, give him pre-interest. Boy, I believe God will help us. Now, as we stand all over the house, let's pray. Father, I love you, Lord. I've done my best to empty myself of the message of the hour. Now, God, you know every need, you know every heart to send this building tonight. God, there's probably some in here struggling with some things that I have no clue what folks face. Some are wondering, what in the world can I do? Lord, I pray that you'd guide them. I pray that you'd help them. Lord, give them the answer that they seek according to your will. Lord, give us enough faith to understand that we cannot solve some things. Some things it's going to take you, Lord. We know you can do the incredible and the impossible. Father, I pray that you would. I pray for that one that does not have a clue what they need to do. I pray that they've got some help tonight. They can pray and, Lord, pursue when you answer. Lord, at the end of the day, God, help us to give you honor, glory, and praise for everything you do. We'll be careful to thank you and praise you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world. To equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school. For all ages and our sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the word of god we meet back every sunday night at 6 p.m for our worship service and every second sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat and meat service after our 6 p.m service we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship on wednesdays we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from god's holy word our ladies prepare a meal each wednesday prior to our service from 5:30 pm to 6 30 pm i give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times above all you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the lord jesus christ friend that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life too many folks prepare for vacation they prepare for retirement They seem to prepare for everything but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday, for the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6 All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, and good works, and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2 the Bible said therefore by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, neither is there salvation in any other well, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, preacher: How can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter sixteen, and verse thirty and thirty-one. He asked Paul and Silas. He said, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" They said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house."